Good morning, everyone. I want to say hi to those of you who are joining us online as well. You are among us. You're part of family, and thank you for being here with us. Um, I'm Matt. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm the next-gen pastor. And my son, Elijah, seven years old, as we were coming into the building this morning, he said, what exactly do you do here anyway? <laughs> and so if, uh, if you feel that way, too, I guess uh, you're not alone. Um, a brief, uh, really brief thing. I want to let you know, it's a small uh, but significant celebration that we get to be part of here next week. On the 29th, um, over the last year or so, the last Sunday of every month, we've been calling it Yellow Envelope Su Sunday, and it was our opportunity to go over and above our regular generous and cheerful giving uh, to make an extra contribution towards some of our debt. Uh, and so what we did uh, uh, several years ago uh, we took out two different mortgages, and one of them, four short years ago, was for $608,000, and our goal was to knock that down and uh, to pay it off as quickly as, I could, as we could. Um, our fine, yeah, right. <laughs> we'd, we'd be here forever. <laughs> Uh, but four short years ago, uh, the commitment was made by this church family to invest in our facilities. Uh, we took out one of our two mortgages, was for $608,000. Well, this Sunday, uh, ne this next Sunday is, is very potentially uh, the last Sunday where we need to give toward that mortgage. We have $8,900 left. And so in one more yellow envelope Sunday, I encourage you all to think about how you could be part of this special, small, but significant celebration. As Lord willing, we'll have the opportunity to pay off that one mortgage once and for all and uh, celebrate that milestone that that provides. So that's next week, uh, possibly an opportunity for us to pay off uh, one of our mortgages. Really, really exciting stuff. And the 930 folks applauded after that. So, okay. Uh, we started a new series last week, and we're calling it Fearless. And Pastor Rob uh, set it up for us. He started us off, and uh, he reminded us a little bit that we really we have two goals uh, as we talk about the silent killer of fear. Fear in all of us has an opportunity to creep in and rob us of the kind of life that God designed us to live, but also of the kind of love that God wants us to experience and to show to others. And so I can kind of relate with Pastor Rob a little bit. He shared with you his phobia of heights. And I'm not as tall as him, uh, but I can kind of relate a little bit because I have a really strange phobia of bridges. It's something I've had my entire life. Bridges are either in a state of disrepair because they're under construction or they're in a state of disrepair because they're not under construction. And so for me, that's just the thing that just in the back of my mind, I'm always kind of nervous about this bridge that I'm crossing. And now I get a kick out of it because uh, now that we live on the west side of St. John, we're crossing bridges, you know, four, eight times a day. And so maybe that's God's way of working on my little phobia. And I know I can chuckle and I can giggle a little bit about that. I know that it's silly. But in all of us, we probably have fears where it's not as quite as easy to give our hearts peace. There are probably things in our lives that really do haunt us. Uh, that we can't put to rest. You know, the news today, it feels like their goal is to keep our world in a constant state of panic. Not that we don't need to know about tragic events in our world. We do need to know about them. But the fear behind the motivation of why we are looking for those kinds of things. 
Uh, this week, something tragic and yet very important happened as so many people recognized the Me Too movement, movement over social media. As uh, we've brought to light this week uh, how overall and how, how rampant uh, sexual abuse and sexual harassment of women is happening in our world. Maybe in our health, in our finances, in our relationships, or in our future. There's all kinds of ways where fear can creep in. Now, as we already talked about this week, we had an opportunity to host the Leadership uh, Summit, and we've had lots of opportunity to great, get great teaching, great leading. Uh, leaders from all over our province gathered uh, to get some great and inspiring uh, challenges and motivation and encouragement through the Leadership Summit. But the very last speaker, he hit the nail on the head when he said, really, there's only one force so there's one factor that's going to get in the way of you taking the skills and the gifts that you've taken from this leadership summit and, and prevent you from putting anything into practice. He said that one factor is fear. Fear of doing the work that is required to do the right thing. Fear of painful conversations. Fear of others' opinions. Fear of failure. He said fear is the great distraction to a life well lived. So today I want to talk specifically about one way that fear can haunt us, and it's in the way that we think, our thoughts. See, when we're up against a physical threat, if there is immediate danger happening right in front of you, the emotion that stirs you, uh, that causes you to act or react, is the emotion fear, right? We got to get out of a situation, and so our fear causes us to respond. On the other hand, though, when our thoughts haunt us, when the things that we think about cause us to respond in a way like fear, our thoughts cause anxiety. See, fear and anxiety, they're similar, but they're not exactly the same thing. For example, when you don't go hiking because of an irrational fear of a bear attack, or when you're panicked because of an upcoming performance review at work, or maybe you think a bridge is going to collapse every time you cross one, or there's a situation you're involved with that is causing you to dread or to be nervous without any specific reason. Your mind imagines and rolls over on things that may not actually happen, and whether they're imminent or not, the thoughts haunt you. They destroy your focus on anything else. They keep you from sleeping or paralyze you from being productive. And now we've seen proven statistics that connect the amount of our social media use and our need for constantly getting up-to-date information and uh, instant responses and instant knowledge and instant access. There's a connection in our bodies, the way that we're hardwired. There's a connection between that need for immediacy and the anxiety that some of us feel. So for all of those things, there are things, God actually wants us to have a perspective on how to handle our anxieties, our haunting thoughts, our pains, our discomforts, our, stress, our stresses. And he wants us to know about the emotion anxiety, because we all deal with it in different ways. A report from the National Institute of Mental Health in the U.S. says that some form of anxiety is being experienced by one in three Americans right now. And I'm sure uh, that our Canadian statistics 
would be very similar. It is something that is so prevalent in our world today, and we need to talk about it. We need to ask God to help us with it, and we need to be a blessing to others um, through the topic of anxiety. So fear and anxiety, they're similar, uh, but they're not the same. I've heard it described uh, in the last few weeks in this way. So imagine you're crossing the street. Imagine you're crossing the street. Your fear is what causes you to want to hold a child's hand so that as you cross the street, you don't get hit by a car. That's good and healthy fear. Anxiety, on the other hand, is thinking about that time that you're going to have to go and cross the street, and it's crippling you from focusing on what's in front of you right now. You're dreading all day long about thinking about what might happen once you go to cross the street. Your anxiety is caused by your thoughts. Fear sees a threat. Anxiety imagines one. Fear says, get out of the way. Anxiety says, what if I get in the way? They're so similar. They're so, so different. And I know that I'm speaking generally. I mean, for all of us, we all experience and struggle uh, and are f- affected by anxiety differently. But Proverbs 12, 25 speaks so well for all of us. And we probably know that this is true in our, our, our own hearts. That anxiety weighs down the heart. We all know the weight of anxiety. Now, some of us know that weight all too well. Some of us know that anxiety from time to time. Probably there's some of us here today where a small, mild episode of anxiety from time to time creeps in, and you're able to move on to acknowledge it and to carry on your life or your day. Some of us probably know that anxiety is a personal challenge that you wrestle with every single day. And instead of acknowledging it or addressing it as best as you can, you bury that, you put that behind you, and you try to avoid the feelings that you're going through. And then others, unfortunately, and probably some among us, know the pain of anxiety in a way that is so deep and so painful and so hurtful. And this is okay, but if it requires professional or personal, maybe medical attention, that is okay as you uh, need an opportunity to... uh, get wise and good care, and those are all good things. But for all of us, I wish to just kind of take home with one key thought. Regardless of how uh, anxiety may affect you personally, or may affect the loved ones around you, or as you are just concerned for the well-being of the people that you love, for all of us, whether it's a medical need, a professional need, a relational need, a social need, we all can take home uh, this one thing. There are spiritual needs too, But as generally as I can say it, we probably know this is all true, that as our sense of safety and certainty goes down, our anxiety goes up. As our sense of safety goes down and our sense of certainty goes down, our anxiety goes up. But the point of uh, us talking about this today is because because of God's love for us, our fears do not run our lives. Our fears have no control over us. They do not power over us in, a ways that, in ways that can't become. They certainly don't define us or categorize us or disqualify us. Fear is not our boss. I wish we could all leave here today together knowing and believing and recognizing that fear is not our boss. So we need to be able to know how to respond to it 
in order to make sure that our fears don't control our lives. Well, so what does the Bible have to say with all this? What is God's opinion on anxiety? He actually has a lot to say, and there are all kinds of examples in the Bible where we learn and we hear about different people wrestling with anxieties. And so if you want to turn in your Bibles, I'm going to send you to a passage now that I'm going to refer to it later. Uh, If you want to use uh, the red Bibles in the seats in front of you, uh, you can go to the book of Philippians. It's on page 1825. Or if you want to turn there now in your device or in your own Bibles to the book of Philippians, we're going to get there eventually. Uh, but I don't want to tell you specifically what verse we're going to right now because I kind of want to maybe open, open some of your eyes to something maybe you've never discovered before. So you can turn there now, but what I'll do is I'll just share a few brief examples. These were not hard. These are probably familiar stories to many of you. Uh, but there are all kinds of different examples of how people wrestled with anxiety. Take Joshua, for example. Joshua is known as being this brave, courageous leader who served under Moses' leadership as the people of God were making their way to the promised land. Now, Joshua saw many great things happen under Moses' leadership, but when Moses died, Joshua became the successor. And Joshua's leadership brought him to a point where if he had taken one more step forward, he'd be on enemy territory. And it was Joshua's job to take that one extra step to lead God's people into battle and to, take, uh, and to take responsibility over what God had already started in Moses's life. That was Joshua's new job description. And we can relate to this. Remember when it, what it was like when you first started your new job? You didn't know what to expect, what the people would be like, what exactly would be expected of you? Or maybe there was a huge challenge that was seemed uh, that you were responsible to fix. Maybe it's the way that it feels when something big's coming up, maybe a milestone, the birth of a child, a wedding, a graduation, some kind of ceremony, and you knew that this would be a turning point in your life, but you're not really sure how it's going to work out afterwards, and you didn't know exactly what it was going to do. Those are the kinds of anxious thoughts that Joshua very realistically might have been wrestling with himself. Or take King David. David had uh, a great uh, monarchy. He was a great leader. He was a man after God's own heart. But his moral failure was what began the demise as he watched his own reign, his own monarchy, his own kingdom crumble. And then added to that, with the family dysfunction and the way that his moral failure disrupted his family life, even his own family was turning against him. Remember how awful it feels when that relationship that you have with someone is broken or damaged? Remember the way that you would replay past events over and over and over in your mind about why did that happen or why did they say this or why didn't I react this way? Remember the way that it feels when you wonder what Christmas or some other upcoming milestone is going to look like in light of that broken relationship? That's the way David felt. David felt that way, and he writes about it in his book of poetry as he writes and documents his thoughts and his feelings. In Psalm chapter 3, David's saying and recognizing the broken relationships in his life, and he says, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. David knows anxiety. 
And then there's Elijah, after an incredible ministry that led to many people knowing and following the one true God, anxiety took over Elijah's thoughts, thinking that he was the only one, that he was all alone in the world. And instead of carrying on the mission that God had called Elijah to do, Elijah said that he would rather die than to carry out that kind of work. Do you remember the way when anxiety, your own anxiety, may have caused you to want to give up? Or to think that everything you do is worthless or meaningless? Or the way that it feels to be all alone or to be lonely? Elijah gets that. Jonah, the same way, for fear of what God was calling him to do, literally turned around the opposite way and ran from God. Jeremiah documents his own depression in an entire book called Lamentations. In chapter 3, he's, he's burying his soul out, and he says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them well. My soul is downcast within me. Then in the New Testament, we hear about the, uh, Paul, and he would have certainly known what fear would have looked like as one of the first people to travel the world, planting churches and teaching people about Jesus. He spent a major part of his life risking his life for the gospel. He faced shipwreck, prison, and death. And in 2 Corinthians, he admits that every day he faces very anxious thoughts for all the churches. And then Jesus himself, knowing the pain of deep anguish, hours before his death, as he's praying to God in the garden, in Luke 22. Now these verses always fascinated me. There's, it always seems like one should happen after the other, but it's not documented this way. Jesus' prayer to God. And he says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. So an angel appears strengthening Jesus, and yet even in the angel's presence, in the heavenly presence, in the reminder that God was with him, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Even in the angel's presence, Jesus knew the depth and the pain of anxiety. God knows that we wrestle with anxieties and fears. He knows it. Jesus experienced it himself. And he's given us an opportunity to do something about it. And he gave us his promises, he gave us his power, and he gave us an opportunity that can overcome all of our fears. There is great comfort in knowing that Jesus understands our anxiety. He can relate with a lot of the things that we're going with. He knows loneliness. He knows sorrow. But Jesus doesn't just know it because he's experienced it, although that's important. He knows it because he walks with us when we go through it too. In fact, that's the reason why I wanted to share all of these examples with you, because in these examples, the promise from God is the exact same. And I'd like to show those, share those with you a little bit here in a second, but our fear is not our boss. In all of those situations, God shows himself to his people. 
He, he helps them with their anxious thoughts and helps them to carry through. Our fears, our anxieties do not define us. They don't need to cripple us. And with God's help, they will not destroy us. So Paul writes in these very famous, very familiar words in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which, ex- which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Very familiar words. Uh, when I was uh, learning these verses and committing them to memory, the translation that I was using was, do not be anxious about anything. Here we have, don't worry about anything. And so these, these verses so often are used to comfort us and to help us overcome our fears and our anxieties. But there's actually a verse here that I think kind of gets missed, and it's an important one for us to know. So those of you who maybe have memorized Philippians 4, 6, and 7 at one point in your life, and even if these are the first times you've ever seen these verses before, nobody really knows what verse 5 says. Verse 5 is the whole important point of why we shouldn't be anxious or why we shouldn't worry. Look at verse 5. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. So don't be anxious. The Lord is near. So don't worry. God gives us his very own presence in the times where we're feeling overwhelmed by fear and anxiety. He is with us. Don't be afraid. I am with you. We hear it over and over and over again in Scripture. To go back to these examples that I already shared with you, Joshua, three times in the very first chapter of Joshua chapter 1, don't be afraid. I am with you. Be not afraid. I am with you. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. His promise to Joshua. The exact same thing in King David. Those same verses uh, that I shared with you before about how he felt overwhelmed by his foes. He said, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. The very next words, but you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. David knew that in spite of his troubles, the Lord was his shield. The same thing for Elijah. He was pouring out his heart to God. I'm the only one, and I would rather die than move forward. And God says to Elijah, let's go for a walk. I'm going to take you up to the mountain, and I will pass by. God reminds and encourages Elijah that it's God's presence that will help him move forward and endure the loneliness and endure the pain. Jonah gets a second chance as he goes to Nineveh and and the people respond to God's call. Jeremiah, in the deepest, darkest time of his life, my soul is downcast within me, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious. 
Jesus' encouragement to his followers was to have faith, for I am with you. It was his promises that he shows it in Scripture, and it's the promises that we can know even now, 2,000 years after he proved it once and for all, where Jesus died, he paid a punishment that he didn't deserve and was risen again. Pastor Rob last week was talking about uh, how God has made a promise and he sealed it with an oath. His oath is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That if God can raise Jesus, even from the dead, to conquer over all sin and all evil and all destruction and all decay and all pain, he can be with us now. I would pray that for all of us, that we would come to know that God's presence, as if he was closer than sitting beside you, as if he was within you, stirring your heart, guarding your heart, and your mind. All of these promises are true for us today because fear is not our boss. Fear does not get to say what we do or what we don't do. With God's help, we can have a healthy perspective on the challenges we we face because it's not God's desire for us to be fearful. It's not God's desire for us to be anxious. Instead, he invites us to be well to be healthy, and to trust in his presence. Okay, so how do we get our spiritual needs met when we're battling anxiety? Again, we all battle anxiety in different ways and need different things. But let's look again at Philippians 5 to 7. Philippians 4, verses 5 to 7. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray. Pray about everything talk with God. He's with you. Why ignore him? Acknowledge his presence and speak with him. Tell God what you need. In other words, put to words the feelings that you may have. Give it language so that when you go to describe how you're feeling to God, you too can understand what's going on in your heart. Thankfully, God already knows what we're going through. Thankfully, he knows us better than ourselves. But to be able to put to words, to put to language the things that we're feeling is beneficial for us in our relationship with God and helps us and helps him understand where we may need our help, where we may need to go next. And you know what? If, if, if putting to words the way that you're feeling is where you feel weak, you don't have to do it yourself. You know, maybe there's somebody that can help you Maybe it's a professional counselor that, counselor that needs to help you understand and put language around how you're feeling. But then not just that. Tell God what you need, but thank him for all that he's done. Find those things that you can be thankful for. Think about how you would describe your thankful, th- thankfulness to God and, th- and be thankful for what he's done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. As we live about, as we go about our days, as we do the things that we do and we think about the things that we think about, as we try to understand how God might be using me to make a difference in this world, how much better would we be able to understand what God is calling us to do when we trust that he is guarding our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. We are not walking this world alone. 
you are not alone. In the midst of whatever anxieties you may be wrestling with, even today, or even the, the pain that you see other people walking through uh, as anxiety is affecting their lives, they are not alone either. And Rob referred to that in the promises of God. He sealed it with an oath, a promise for us to enjoy and a, pro- and a guarantee as demonstrated when Jesus rose again from the dead. He went to the cross sweating as if blood, drops of blood were falling to the ground because his heart broke for us. The pain and the fear and the anxiety that he went through was made possible because of God's love for us. He took on our sin. He took on our shame. He took on our destruction. He's forgiven us of our sin and made God's presence available to anyone who would trust in it. I would ask that you would respond to the call in your life to know Jesus, to know that God is with you, and to allow him to guard your heart and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. They're going to lead us in a song. And I want to go back to the illustration that I used about crossing the street. The same way a parent holds a child's hand as they cross the street, can we lift our hand up to God and to let him cross the street for us? Let him worry about our fear. Let him worry about our pain and trust that he's going to see the destruction and the pain. He's going to see the threats and he's going to help us respond to that. All we need to do is follow as he takes us across the street. Follow Jesus. Know that he is with you. And in the song that we're about to sing, also the image of an anchor holding a ship as it's out to sea, God holds us very near. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that in the depths of our hearts, whether they be filled with joy or fear or both, that you're here with us. And Lord, as we call out to you, we're not just calling out to an empty room. Our hearts don't just stop at the ceiling, but instead our hearts connect with yours. So when we're overcome with fear, we can hear your voice saying, don't be afraid. I am with you wherever you go. Or Lord, if we can't stop thinking about a situation that's coming up in our future that may or may not even happen, help us to put words to that when we speak to you. And Lord, that you would speak to our hearts about how to handle those situations in a way that honors you, but gives us peace. Lord, you do promise that in this world there will be trouble, and so it's not that I want to ask that you would remove trouble from my life. But I also need to have peace in knowing that you have all things under control, that you have overcome this world, and that you hold me and you hold everything together. So Lord, hold on to us tightly when we feel like we can't hold on to ourselves. Hold on to us tightly when we get lost in our situations and our surroundings or our anxieties or our fears. And hold on to us as we weather the storm and the dangers of serving you, of making a difference in our world and acting on your behalf and saying kind words and being a blessing to our neighbors 
or having that difficult conversation. Lord, in all of who we are, we are held together by you. And we say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand together.